When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm Lucas. I got Chris here. Uriah is not with us. He's actually uh, our producer. He is actually enjoying his wedding anniversary, so shout outs to Uriah. Woo-woo. But we do have a special guest taking his place. We have Jordan Tresky, co-site expert of Behind the Bucks Pass of Fan Sighted and co-host of the Win in Six podcast. Welcome, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Jordan, we're really excited to have you on. We always enjoy um, having some, some fan sighted voices on the pod. We don't get the chance to do it very often, so we really appreciate you being here. No problem. So, obviously, Jordan covers the Bucks. We are coming off a two-game series between... Philadelphia and Milwaukee here in the regular season. We're recording this uh, Sunday afternoon. So we'll just jump right into those two games. Jordan, a pretty good couple of showings for your team. Um, Milwaukee was pretty commanding in both wins. Um, The Sixers are now on a four-game losing streak, conversely. So, Jordan, just for you, what do you think went wrong specifically for Philadelphia? And from your perspective, what went right for the Bucs? How come these games ended the way that they did? Uh, I would certainly say Philly not having their best players would certainly uh, certainly affect them and just the injury bug overall, whether it's Embiid's shoulder, Simmons, if I remember correctly, he's dealing with like some like flu battle or something like that. Um, Tobias Harris said something, he's like battling like a bone bruise. So it's not, they're not at the perfect uh, time to, you know, be healthy at, obviously. And Bucks coming off a couple two games get, I think they saw the opportunity. Obviously there's massive implications in terms of, you know, playoff race at the top of the East, the offense looked, you know, for, I would say six out of the eight quarters looked very good. <laughs> the other two were pretty, uh, pretty something there. Um, but yeah, I think they, I think from a Bucks perspective, it, it went as well as you could. You sweep your, one of your biggest rivals in the East, obviously someone who, you may see eventually in the playoffs, depending on how it shakes out with seeding and stuff like that. And Philly, I think, you know, obviously having lost their last four games, just trying to get right at the state at the right time in terms of health. And, you know, I think they have 12 or 13 games left. Um, yeah, just playoffs are everybody's looking towards the playoffs right now. And just kind of like this crazy condensed stretch run is kind of complicating. Just like just trying to make it there across the finish line. And then it, and then it's the playoffs that start and 
where everything, you know, the season, that's where everything hangs up <laughs> for everybody. So it's just, it's just a tough way, especially in this season where it's like trying to get everything uh, in its right place in terms of health and players playing at the right, you know, at their peak performance. You know, you hope to see Philly can kind of get back to full strength as, we, as we've seen for most of the season. Yeah, you make some really good points. Injuries were obviously a big part of this. Ben, yeah, he was dealing with, uh, I think he has the flu right now. And then uh, Tobias did play, but as you said, he is recovering from a bone bruise. And as somebody that's done that in high school, it's not fun. It's not easy. I couldn't even walk on mine for like four weeks. So it is not a quick recovery. So that's for sure. And Joel, he he was late games, uh, late scratch from the second game, but. It's hard to take too much away from this. Like with the Brooklyn series, the stars of the opposing team was just not there. Um, now, I did hear a quote from Giannis saying that they treated this like a playoff game. And I, clearly you can see why. I mean, Giannis, let's see, he had, uh, I believe, 27 in the first game and 24 in the second game. And, uh, you know, he played, he was dominant. Uh, Chris Middleton did not do well in that second game, but, you know, it balances out from that first game. Fantastic play. But overall, it's kind of – I'm not taking too much away from this. I think it would be a fun seven-game series if these two met up in the playoffs healthy. But right now, Sixers aren't healthy. So there's there's not too much that I can take away from it besides the fact that Tyrese Maxey looked great in this for the Sixers. Um, both games he scored, let's, he averaged 12 points in both games, shot pretty well from the floor, um, you know, overall in both games. So I can, that's the only positive that I can take away from the Sixers is that Maxey's continuing this surge in his play as of late. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I think injuries were obviously kind of cast a shadow over these two games in general. Um, really, I don't think any of the East contenders have, have played each other at full strength yet. It's It's been a bit of a weird season, you know, with COVID protocols and all the injuries resulting from possibly the compressed schedule. So we really don't have a clear read really on any of these top three teams, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, or Philly um, going into the playoffs. But uh, the Bucks are a really good team. And I'm sure Jordan you'd be happy to attest to that. Like Milwaukee is right up there with Philly and Brooklyn. We've heard a lot of talk, especially from like the national media about the Sixers and the Nets. And I feel like people are sort of forgetting about Milwaukee. Um, The Bucks have been the number one seed for two seasons now for a reason. They're still very much in the hunt as we come down the stretch here Uh, this season, which we're going to talk about in a minute here. And you know, Giannis is a two-time MVP. They have two very real complimentary stars in Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. They have a great defensive group, a great offensive group. Like, like the Bucks are going to be a problem in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm really excited if we do end up facing Milwaukee in the postseason to see how that would play out. Um, so, Jordan, what do you think these games, obviously shorthanded and all, can maybe tell us about a potential playoff matchup? Did you see anything that, that might kind of hint at what's to come if these two teams do meet up in the postseason? I think it's their built very similarly in a lot of ways. Like I, we, you know, Philly, obviously they last year, massive expectations, you know, it from preseason expectations last year, it seemed like it was Milwaukee and Philly, you know, kind of mono y mono. Obviously they underwhelm and the bucks go on to have this crazy run during the season pre season shutdown. And then the bubble happens and then everything just goes wrong spectacularly for them. And, 
you know, Philly just kind of underwhelmed the whole season, and they kind of recalibrated from from my outsider's perspective, obviously. Um, and they kind of built their team in a way that, like, how when Bud came into Milwaukee a couple years ago, where, you, you know, obviously you're trying to get as much shooting as you can next to guys like Embiid and Sim- Simmons, and you get Seth Curry in for Josh Richardson, which, you know, I think that was, you know, it just, it was one of those things where, because there was, between the draft and free agency, it was like this, so many moves that fell under the cracks. And then Philly comes out of the gate, storming out of the gate, and he's, Seth Curry is one of the biggest surprises for everybody, at least from a national, or national perspective. And it just makes perfect sense for why he has thrived uh, with Philly. And just the overall, like, vision that I've seen from my perspective of, of the Sixers so far, where it kind of aligns from what, Bucks fans saw with Bud coming in and trying to maximize Giannis as much as they can to, you know, he's, you know, back-to-back MVP and having guys like Middleton, Drew Holiday now, Brooke Lopez, all that stuff. Like, yeah, I, I understand, like, all the skepticism that's certainly earned from how they played in the playoffs, but it's also, they're a, diff- a somewhat different iteration of what we've seen, obviously, the last couple of years where, you know, swapping... Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe is such a massive upgrade for the Bucks in so many different ways that come like how we talk about them playoff wise against like Philly or Brooklyn or you know whoever they else or whoever else that they face in like the first round. I think there's a there's a versatility and there's just this well built core that they have between those three players, in, in, especially and then along with Rook and you know Dante DiVincenzo to fill out the starting five that. It kind of, we've kind of held, or at least from Bucks, Bucks fans' perspective, they've held out of this belief that it's like, okay, everything's built towards playoffs in mind, and you kind of go through these ups and downs and throughout the season where, you know, they lose Drew for, with, you know, he has COVID, and Giannis' knee has kind of been bothering him for the last couple of weeks, and it seems to be better now. But it's trying to just play at the, or play their best basketball at the right time and the last couple of years, it has not been like that. It's been just kind of blitzing through all their <laughs> opponents during the regular season and for that to crumble during the playoffs. So I think I think just the way that both teams have viewed this season is really interesting in itself. And then, the, you know, we can dive into the specific matchups of, like, how does Philly match up with the Bucks and vice versa, where it just – there's just so many things that have kind of brewed between this rivalry for so – for such a long time, and now it kind of seems that we're finally going to get some series and some. I, I mean, if it sh- if it finishes the way it is right now, where Philly's second and Milwaukee's third, I think for a second round series, that's going to be tons of fun. Now, our new sponsor is none other than Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Now, nothing feels better than being able to enjoy a rich, smooth, and creamy chocolate and knowing that you're doing something good for your body. What they do is they start with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, and guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it's friendly to paleo, 
gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, they've been a leader in the superfoods market, and they're proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. They're offering up to 15% off when you use the code MINUTE15. Again, that's MINUTE15. You can find their website at earthechofoods.com backslash Minute Media. And now, back to the podcast. I just want to echo that I do think it would be a fun second round series, though. I would prefer to see you guys in the conference finals. That being said, yeah, I think it will. I said I don't know if these games told us anything about a potential matchup beyond the fact that I know for a fact. And I mean, we've seen it in the past, but I think we're going to see a battle of the Giants again. Like we have we haven't seen a battle of the Giants since Tim Duncan and Shaq. Let's be real in the playoffs. That's the last time we saw a true battle of Giants. And now we get to see it again with Giannis and Joel. And they're going to be playing each uh, – well, at least Joel's going to be defending Giannis on defense. I don't think Giannis will be defending Joel that often. But we'll, Joel's primarily going to be facing Giannis because he's one of the few players, of the, let's be real, that gives Giannis problems one-on-one. So I think that will be a very fun matchup for the Sixers to see, for uh, for, for fans to see for sure. And outside of that – I mean, it comes down to Cam Middleton in this game. You saw it in the two games. One game, Middleton dominated. The other one, he was pretty much neutralized. I mean, not neutralized, but he was quiet. For you guys, if Middleton can be consistently like a 20, 24 to 26 per game score in the playoffs, you guys are going to be scary to beat. You guys are going to be really hard to beat. But if he's in that 20 to like 22 range, it, it it makes those four points make a difference because that's speaking to the amount of aggression that he has. And Middleton, while I think he's a great complimentary piece, he's not always aggressive in getting his shot. And I and I know he has the potential to get his shot consistently. It's just that he's not aggressive enough sometimes. And that's at least what I've seen. Correct me if I'm wrong, though, Jordan. But I mean, if he can be aggressive, he's going to give the Sixers some problems. No, I, I would agree with that. I think that's that's all very fair. And, and it shook out in this, you know, this little two game series with Chris in particular. Yeah, I, I agree with, with both of you. I obviously the, the injury bug kind of makes it difficult to have any definitive takeaways, but we're going to see a lot of Joel and Giannis on each other. If it does come to these teams facing each other in the playoffs, you mentioned last season, Jordan, which was obviously a pretty big disappointment for Philly. Like, the reason they went out and signed Al Horford and Josh Richardson and those guys was pretty much with Milwaukee in mind. I think that was the matchup they were kind of gearing that roster towards, you know, to have different looks to throw at Giannis, etc. And they maybe didn't think about, you know, getting past other teams that were built differently. Um, they maybe neglected that part of the, uh, the game plan. But even with the moves that they made this summer, um, the, Philly is one of the biggest and most physical teams. Milwaukee is pretty big and physical themselves. You mentioned the similarities in roster build, you know, shooters around Joel, shooters around Giannis. I definitely think this is going to be one of the more interesting possible matchups that we'll see in, in the postseason. I think Philly, for especially as it relates to Giannis, I think, Obviously, Embiid, you know, a defensive player of the year candidate, same with Simmons. They, the thing that bothers has bothered Giannis the last two playoff runs and just kind of overall when he's, you know, had his off nights, though it hasn't been many. <laughs> um, they just, if you have a wealth of kind of guys that give them that, or can match up size wise, 
strength-wise and just, you know, if they're very long and just athletic like him. And, you know, with Toronto, it was like we saw with, like, Kawhi Leonard, you saw with Marcus Saul, with uh, Pascal Siakam. Like, that trio just really bothered him and obviously built the basis of the wall that, you know, we've seen, you know, talked about and talked about for, you know, endlessly in light of their playoff disappointments. Stay with Miami last year. You have Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler was on him sometime. I'm trying to think. Jay Crowder was definitely disruptive. You know, even guys like we're talking about journeyman. Jay Crowder is a very underrated defender. Side note. Yeah. Bucks fans would definitely agree with that, especially after how last year ended where, yeah, it just, that's, that's bothered Giannis. It's not, it's not one match that you, you know, you throw him on for like 20 minutes a night or whatever. It's just having different guys, different looks at different stretches of games that really bother him because then, you know, you, you can't really figure out tendencies. And then you're kind of like thinking as he's playing because his game is so based on driving and getting through players at will and all that stuff. So that's that particular matchup and just how Philly, I know they have Dwight Howard too. And, and just, you know, who knows what his role would be like in the playoff series, but when, you know, Embiid and Simmons are playing like, you know, 35 to 40 minutes a game or whatever it may be. But I think that's what makes the whole, you know, obviously the the biggest matchups of all that could will dictate the outcome of a, a series and you know the season for both teams. I think that's what is so interesting from Philly's perspective, and I think from from the Bucks' perspective too. You have Giannis, Brook Lopez is obviously going to play a lot of minutes too. I think that's what makes Philly such a more appetizing matchup than like a team like Brooklyn if they're fully healthy. Where Brooke Lopez is going to be on the floor considerably more against Philly than he is when, you know, he's having to guard like Kevin Durant if they play him at the five if he's healthy. So I think that's there's so many different ways that these teams can play that is for over over the course of a seven game series is just going to be so much, so much fun to watch. So before we move on, I want to ask you one thing. In the prime of his career, the first half of his career, Brooke Lopez was a 20-point per, sca- per game scoring post player. Why has Bud not in, tr- tried to get that more out of him in regards of that? Because I don't really see too many Lopez post-ups, especially even when you have opposing power forwards on him. Like, you see it every once in a while. But, like, honestly, Brooke Lopez is still an above – like an above average, you know, post player. And he got an all-star nod because of it. So I'm just surprised. And I get it. You have Giannis, but like, if you're playing like the Nets, I, and they have KD at the five, I would punish KD with Brooke Lopez. If they're going to have KD guard Lopez, that's what I would do in that situation. But I, I just, I don't understand from an outsider looking in. Why don't they post Brooke up more? I, we saw some of it last year, but that was also because he before the uh, before the season shut down, he was shooting terribly. Um, I I still think he finished with like his worst shooting performance by you know whether it was three point percentage or just kind of like the advanced numbers. But it was just a way as a way of like, hey, Brooke, you're not shooting well. Like let's try to like, especially in the minutes where it's like Giannis is sitting or one or more than just Giannis City if it was like Giannis and Chris City and they were just kind of let's get by on this like ultra defensive lineup and use or throw Brooke out there and just you know put him in the post to just kind of tatter th- or put everything together 
<laughs> or hold out of this lead, uh, depending on what you know how the night was. But that's the theory. I think they've been so obviously the big quest or big conversation around Bud now has been he so holds to his system the last couple of years and people have whether you look at it or if it's fairly or not, like that's been a part of why the Bucks have fallen in the playoffs. And this year, I'm not saying I don't think we're going we're gonna to expect to see a lot of po- post-ups from Brooke, but I think they have made a point of trying to not fall in the same ways that they have fallen the last couple of years, where, you know, the, the wall around Giannis is built and he has trouble breaking it down. So don't repeatedly have him set up at the top of the key and trying to run through three defenders where they're all trying to take charges at once or whatever the case may be. Like there is a, there is a like distinct way of how they're been operating this season. That's been interesting that I think if, you know, it's, it's still going to be hard to win a title and even come out of the East. But I think the way that they are trying to get there is, has been way different than we've seen over the, the Budenholzer era by far. Well, I, I certainly like, and I, we talked about this recently, Chris, I think that if, if if I'm having Joel guard Giannis, then obviously I'm putting Toby on Brooke Lopez, but, and Toby's a good post defender, but he, he would not be able to contain Brooke if he wanted, if Brooke wanted to take advantage of that. And that's just the type of matchups that I don't see y'all taking advantage of. And it goes back to Bodenhoser, but I don't know, but let's go ahead and, and switch gears here. And now after this series, the Sixers have the easiest schedule in the rest for the rest of the season. And the bus books have the sixth. Do you think that the Sixers will reclaim their number one seed? Or do you think that, the Bucks only a game and a half back, and two game, games and a half back out of the first will sneak into number one. I definitely see Philly Philly holding on to one. Um, obviously, the biggest question is just you know, are they going to be healthy? I, I know I think Doc had comments before the game that he that Simmons is on kind of on the way up in terms of returning and um, and all that. And you know you you hope that you don't see MB lost for. Uh, more than a game here with this the shoulder injury, but health permitting, I think I would I wouldn't be surprised to see Philly reclaim the top spot, especially when Brooklyn. I think if I remember correctly, they have the ninth hardest schedule, and that was including today's game against the Suns. Like they've had, they have a really tough schedule lined up, including the they have two games against the Bucks coming up here. So depending on how that's like that set goes i mean that will obviously dictate just you know if the bucks can make one final push they they're certainly pushing right now but they also have to play you know nearly perfect basketball to to make uh a push for that one seed so we'll see how it goes from from their perspective but i i would i would tilt towards philly holding on number one yeah i i tend to agree jordan um i mean as long as there are no like sudden changes in in the general outlook of this team health-wise um like the Sixers have been playing good basketball all season this four-game skid is a bit of an anomaly just because of injuries as we've mentioned and just just Steph Curry doing ridiculous things and Chris Paul doing ridiculous things It, it tends to happen the schedule from this point on is pretty pretty easy relatively speaking I think every team is kind of going through the the trials and tribulations of this compressed schedule. I think it's been hard on pretty much everyone. So that's something that that could still rear its head. But I, I do think 
given all the injury stuff with Brooklyn, like right now it's just Kyrie. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think they're probably going to fall back. Um, I'd be really interested to see if Milwaukee could get the two seed and if Brooklyn dropped to three and they had home court advantage against the Nets in that second round. I'd really be interested in that, but I I do tend to agree that Philly's probably the favorite to get the one seed. Anything can happen. We still have like two-thirds of a month of basketball left. A a lot can go wrong. A lot can change pretty quickly in this league, so we'll have to see. But um, I I think it's probably going to shake out with Philly at one, and whether or not Milwaukee is is two or three is is, we just have to see. Yeah, I'm going to just echo that as well. I do think the Sixers have the best chance of getting the one seed. Uh, like you guys said, the Nets aren't healthy. They have a tough schedule remaining. Um, the Bucks, yes, theoretically they could, but I think health will be a factor there, and maybe they've been known to like ease Giannis on his minutes, so I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Um, Sixers will probably do that with Joel, but I mean, we'll just have to wait and see, but I think the Sixers probably have the better chance. Just based off the of schedule and the fact that they're already higher than the Bucks, so I mean, yeah, that's... and I'll, I mean, I will, I will say this: it it's pretty clear that the Sixers want the one seed. It's something that Joel and Ben and Doc and all of them have really talked about. Like, mm-hmm. there's a pretty clear advantage this season to being the one seed. You know, with only three top tier contenders in the East, if you can get to the conference finals without having to face a Brooklyn or Milwaukee, and you let the other two teams kind of beat themselves up in the second round. I think that's pretty clearly the the desirable way to go. So I do think the Sixers care about the one seed. Obviously, you don't want to push Joel harder than you have to. You don't want to push Ben or Tobias harder than you have to, for that matter. But I, I do think there's some pretty clear motivation from Philly's perspective to to get into that number one spot. Uh, yes, certainly. And you talk about the second round matchup, and you know while we're on the subject here, the Sixers are currently second in the in the East right now, I believe. And that would mean that they we would see a two three matchup in the second round, you know, theoretically between the Philly and Milwaukee. If that were to happen, Jordan, if that were to happen, do you think that clears the path easy, more easily for the the Nets to get to the NBA Finals? I yeah, I think it's obviously path of least resistance. They they I mean, from my vantage point, you I'm looking at teams who who the Bucks would face, you know, in the first round and. You know, you kind of see how the st- the standings are right now, and you see Boston. Yeah, they've been very inconsistent, but they still have that kind of you know, Tatum Brown duo that you just don't want to see in a, in a first round series. Miami, I mean, that's going to bring up old ghosts for the Bucks that you definitely don't want to see at this point. Um, even though, I mean, you know, you just kind of want to conquer your old old playoff demons. But those are are both teams are obviously very underwhelmed to in terms of championship aspirations. They're not in the conversation, like Chris said, like in terms of it's pretty defined between Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee in terms of the top three in the East. That said, in a playoff setting where they still have talented players at the top of their rosters that in terms of the Bucks' perspective, they, they will give them problems in, ter- in how they play and just, you know, and how we've seen them play previously, that it's not going to be easy by any means just to get to the second round. So... It, for Brooklyn, the fact that they wouldn't have to face against teams like that, and obviously the play-in scenario for the team's 10th seed through the 7th seed, like, 
there that's how that's already gonna like thin out the herd in terms of you know you never know when if teams are gonna be at the playing at their their best basketball at the right time too so yeah i think i think that certainly clears out the way for them even with all the massive questions in terms of regarding uh durant's health harden's health and just what Nets team are we ultimately going to see when it matters most? Yeah, I agree. I mean, as I just said with Philly, I think the same goes for Brooklyn. Like, the one seed is ideal. You let Philly and Milwaukee beat themselves up in the second round. I'm sure that would be a very physical and tough series for, for Giannis or for Embiid, you know, whoever gets through. So, obviously, I think that would be ideal for them. Um, just, like, so the view listeners know, we're going to give our predictions for a hypothetical series at the end of the pod so you'll have to wait till then but I I do think Sixers and Milwaukee would be a particularly interesting matchup I I think it's one that I would really look forward to maybe even more than a Brooklyn matchup just on paper I think it's a really compelling battle Um, but yeah I I do think a a 2-3 matchup is really not ideal certainly from Philadelphia's perspective obviously Milwaukee I'm sure would love to get the one seed themselves so uh, we'll we'll see how it shakes out, but I I do think from Philly's perspective, especially you know you, you want to get the one seed. All right, and we can we can kind of move on now and talk more about what a potential playoff matchup between these two teams would look like. Um, we we touched on it a little bit at the beginning, Jordan, but Embiid is one of the more capable Giannis defenders out there. I'm I'm sure you would agree. Um, we saw Ben Simmons even defend Giannis pretty well in these two teams' first matchup this season. Um, ben has had a lot of trouble with Giannis in past seasons, but there was a, a clear, I think, change in that that dynamic when they these two teams first met this year. So I'd be really interested to see how that played out in a seven-game series. But Jordan, do you think the Sixers are the best-equipped team in in the East specifically to defend Giannis and the Bucks? I, I would say so. Um, like you said, I, I just Having two players of Embiid and Simmons caliber defensively, at least that's that's a lot, that's what all teams are looking for in terms of defending Giannis in, in a playoff series. Um, yeah, I think that's more than any other team in terms of between the East teams. Uh, obviously, I think that's that's quite a quite a one-two punch that you, that the Bucks would have to overcome in terms of you know Giannis trying to play up to his standards as we've seen in the last couple of regular seasons. Yeah, I, I would say that the Sixers probably do have the best uh, defensive duo to handle Giannis in the in the East for sure, and possibly the NBA. I mean, the only other team that I can think of that can throw that type of defensive pressure out is maybe the Lakers or the Clippers. So, yeah, no, I would say certainly. Um, that being said, I... You know, Embiid is clearly the better option right now, but give Simmons another year to develop defensively, who knows? Um, which is scary when you think about Simmons is still in the stage of his career where he's developing, uh, sadly, not the jump shot, but, you know, everything else. <laughs> but, no, I, yeah, I would say this for sure the Sixers have the best overall. Because, I mean, you think of other teams that could do it. Uh, Miami can do it with... Uh, Adebayo and Butler, but they're both a little undersized. The Clippers could do it with Kawhi and Paul George. Uh, Paul George might get bullied a little bit, though. LeBron and AD. LeBron could do it, but I don't think they would want to spend his energy doing that for his seven-game series. And Anthony Davis, uh, you know, I don't know if he's healthy enough. (laughs) 
So, and the Raptors aren't the Raptors anymore, obviously. So, yeah, I would say the Sixers probably do have the best defense. I mean, they're both in the top five uh, candidates for defensive player of the year. So that's that's where it's at. So, yeah, I totally agree. I think the Sixers do. Yeah, and I think just even beyond that, you know, if you put Embiid on Giannis as the main matchup, you're going to have Ben on Chris Middleton. That's probably one of the toughest assignments Middleton could face. You're going to have probably some combination of Danny Green, George Hill, and our, you know, this podcast's favorite player, Matisse Thibel, chasing around Drew Holiday all game. Like, the Sixers have a pretty scary group of defenders on this team. I I would argue myself that they're probably the scariest defensive team heading into the playoffs, if they're healthy, of course. Um, you know, the Knicks have been one of the top defenses in the league all season. The Lakers and the Clippers and what in the Jazz, obviously, when they're healthy, are very good defensive teams. But the Sixers have, I mean, Ben is one of the best perimeter defenders we've really seen in the last decade. Embiid is, I mean, more versatile and more than someone like Rudy Gobert, if we're going to you know, compare him to the Jazz. Like, I think the Sixers have more versatility and a greater array of bodies that they can throw around in different looks than a lot of other teams. So I, I do think they're certainly a pretty, I would say they're a pretty daunting matchup for Philadelphia. And we're going to get to the other side of this coin too, but. Well, hang on, Chris, Chris, let me interject here. Two quick things. Yeah. Joel is definitely more defensively versatile. I mean, we saw him switch on to drew holiday in this series, uh, in this two game series. And he was actually able to like stop a, at a very good offensive guard from getting an easy look and he was able to stay in front of him. So there's that. And I do want to give the Knicks some love though, because I don't know if I would want to see them in a first round series, not saying that we wouldn't beat them, but that would be a grinded out series that I don't want the Sixers to have to experience if they don't have to. Yeah. And just a quick aside, like Jordan, you mentioned some first round possibilities for our last point, like Miami, Boston, New York, like the Sixers and the Bucks, I think both have some pretty poor memories of Miami and Boston at this point. I don't think either team has a great relationship with those franchises recently. And then you point out, look, it's like New York is a physical grinded out team. You know, the Tom Thibodeau team, they're going to give you everything they have. I'm, I'm sure both Milwaukee and Philly would probably breeze through that series from a games perspective. Like, I don't think the Knicks are winning more than like a game or two at the most, but those would be Mm-hmm. four or five really physical games. So I, I don't think we should... Can, we hope that the Nets get the Knicks. Can we see that in Nets and Knicks matchup? I don't think it's possible now, but that would be... Like, here's the thing. If you have the Knicks in the first round, that wears them down. Then they get to the Bucks the second round. It's a toss... If if they're not all three of them are healthy, it's a toss-up, in my opinion, of who, of who wins that series. I mean, if they are healthy and, you know, I'm, if they are healthy, let's be real. The Nets are the f- favorite in that series. And if they do get past the Bucks, that means they went through two really good defensive teams before they got to the Sixers in the conference finals, assuming the Sixers get there. That's a recipe for success if, for Philly if I'm them. But I don't, like I said, I don't think seeding wise, because I think the Knicks are what the fourth seed right now, but still. Like that's not a that's that's a success that's a recipe for success if I'm the Sixers or if you're the Bucks depending on where the seeding happens too because you could inverse that with the Sixers being the second round series for the Nets versus the Bucks too Jordan what are your thoughts on that 
if they can get the Knicks in the first round, I think we would all like it if the Nets and the Knicks played in the first round because that would wear the Nets out a lot. Yeah, that's I agree with both your points. I think it's one of those things where you know that you're no matter what team finishes or you know ends up seeing a team like the Knicks, they have talent in their favor. But I mean, from what we've seen the Knicks in the last, I know they're on this crazy winning streak, but just the whole season in general, like they're they're they take it on the Thibodeau, you know they're. They're cliches for a reason, but they just have played up to what he we've seen with him, whether it's in Chicago or Minnesota, um, more so in Chicago, I should say. But just they are just very tenacious, and I know they the I believe the it was like the third game they they really punched the Bucks in the mouth and just played one of their best games of the season, probably. Um, and it just kind of just seeing Julius Randle thrive and just seeing all the that. Just kind of, I don't know, this misfit team just really come together and be the biggest surprise of the season. It's certainly been interesting. And, and yeah, you're going to probably win that series, but it's not going to be a cakewalk by any means. It, it could it could still really, you know, take a lot out of you. Do you think Julius Randle deserves all NBA this season? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't have, like, all the players in front of me. I, I haven't made my teams, per se, but mm-hmm. it seems like he'd be a pretty deserving candidate for at least third team. I would say so too. Because like, yeah, if if health is if health is kind of the um, separator, because obviously you would take out like guys like AD, even maybe LeBron. I don't know. Um, that might be a little too far fetched, but I, I think that's he's he's certainly going to get recognition in some degree, whether it's All NBA. Certainly, I I think it might be Most Improved Player. I think he's kind of the frontrunner at this point, but it certainly seems like he's worked his way in that conversation at least. I agree, and we can go ahead and talk about kind of the flip side of the coin here is that I think the Bucks are probably one of the better equipped teams to defend the Sixers, too. I mean, we mentioned Brooke Lopez as someone who has defended Embiid well in the past. That wasn't quite the case on Thursday, but generally speaking, Lopez has had pretty consistent success in that matchup. They have a lot of length that they can throw at Embiid in the post with doubles and triple teams. Um, Middleton physically can probably handle someone like, you know, Ben Simmons or Tobias Harris pretty well. We'll see a lot of Giannis on Ben, which has given Ben a ton of problems in the past. Um, and then, of course, like Drew Holiday, who can defend the heck out of anyone. So, Jordan, what are your thoughts on, on the matchup from that perspective? How well do you think Milwaukee is equipped to kind of give the Sixers problems? Yeah, I think they i think how you, we the like framing you know talking about how the sixers defend Giannis and just the bucks overall cuz it you know uh you know effect goes on from the top down they philly is interesting in that they don't really test the bucks in ways that we've seen them struggle to defend under bud especially where a Philly series is good. Like I said before, like a Philly series, Philly series is going to require a lot of Brook Lopez minutes just because, you know, MB is going to be playing more minutes and just, he, there's no one else on the Bucks roster that can kind of match up physically um, with MB and, and, or with MB like Lopez does. And the Bucks have really, as much as they've, we've all dreamed of seeing Giannis at center at this point, they've kind of shied away from that, whether that's, you know, to their benefit or not, that's another question entirely. But they've historically operated where they have more size on the floor next to Giannis rather than he's 
playing center, you know, true center type minutes. But yeah, I think the Bucks with obviously with PJ Tucker on board now, uh, Giannis, Bobby Portis, I think is going to be, you know, he's not the greatest defensive by defender by any means, but certainly has some size to him and um, can be physical and t- tenacious in his own right. I think, and obviously like a guy like Drew Holiday, who, you know, we talk about guys that can defend one through five. It, that's really hard to do. And especially, you know, someone who's, you know, at guard size, but Drew Holiday can really do it. I wouldn't be surprised to see him guard a guy like George Hill to Tobias Harris to Ben Simmons. Like, you can really put him on a ton of matchups, and he can make life miserable for everybody. Um, that's that's been one of the biggest things just to watch him defend is just crazy good. And Chris Middleton, I mean, we kind of view him as this complimentary star, and you know, he flies under the radar next to Giannis, especially. But he's a good defender that can kind of give size and length uh, to like Tobias Harris. Like, I think, I think the biggest thing for Philly. And how we've seen the Bucks fall to like Toronto and Miami specifically, they don't. They're getting there if in in a couple of years where the guys like Maxi or um, I'm trying to think of I, George Hill. I, I, you know, Bucks fans all know about George Hill, and he was there for the last couple of years. He is a perfect guy for the Sixers and what the hell they're going to play. And you know, I know he had a couple, uh, or I think yesterday was kind of a bad game for him and the team overall. But still, like he gives him a. a another ball handler that they'll need, but they kind of need MB to shoot. They need Simmons to shoot and the, the Bucks will defend them that way. And we've seen guys or teams like Miami and Toronto really take the, the Bucks apart defensively that way. Whereas, I, you know, there's the obvious threats like Seth Curry and Danny Green and stuff like that. But like, I, I don't know. That's where it gets a little hard for, for, for Philly, from my perspective, that like, can they really test the Bucks and stretch them defensively? That they won't. That we've seen from uh, years past. I don't. I don't know. We, that's that's gonna be one of the big questions in a player series. That's for sure. Well, I I yeah. will say this. I, I think. Um, sorry, Chris, for interrupting. Um, <laughs> did you want to say something real quick before I get into this? No, no, okay. So one thing I will say. That if I was Doc Rivers and Bud put Middleton on Tobias, I would post up Tobias so many times. And let me tell you why. Middleton's a long, lengthy defender, and he's not a slouch guarding the post, but Tobias's post-up game is very underrated, and he is stronger than Middleton. At least he looks like he's built stronger anyway. I'm not going to say for certain, but I would, I would take advantage of that matchup for sure if that's how they're going to defend uh, Tobias, honestly, if I was if I was Bud, I would have Milton on Ben because Ben's not been an uh, offensive factor this year very often, and I would put Giannis on Tobias to try to lock Tobias down because Tobias has been a twenty point per game scorer. So it, that if I was Bud, that's what I would do defensively against the Sixers. Um, I think and Drew. I mean, I, think... I would. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say I, I I tend to disagree with post like generally speaking post ups aren't the most efficient form of offense and I think the Sixers have had problems when trying to post up people next to Embiid in the past I think that's one thing that Doc has kind of avoided successfully this season 
also, I don't think like Tobias's size advantage with Chris is that big. I don't think that would be as advantageous as you maybe made it out to be. I also think we'd see a lot of Drew Holiday on Tobias, like you mentioned, uh, Jordan. Like I, I think Drew's certainly capable of giving Tobias problems. Um, and also, I, I mean, we've seen Giannis take Ben out of games completely. I think that's probably the way to go because um, Ben can't do much driving right at Giannis. He's not going to shoot the ball. You know, we, we've discussed that far too much on this podcast. Like, I've given up on him ever, like, at least not this season for sure. He, he's not going to shoot the ball. So I think Giannis is a pretty effective neutralizer of Ben Simmons, at least in the half court. Um, you know, you put Brooke on Joel and hope for the best, and then I, I, I think they have the personnel to handle um, Tobias. But I, I don't I don't think Harris post-ups, generally speaking, are going to be the way to go. That, that was oh, I, I mean, I well, the, it didn't work last year because Joel Embiid wasn't shooting 39% from the three-point line. That's why it didn't work out so well. But I get what you're saying for sure. Well, there are like a well... very small number of players – who uh, like thrive in the post consistently? And Tobias did it when he was with the Clippers. I, I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but he definitely did yeah, it as a like. There are certain matchups where you want to take advantage of, of of size and stuff, but I don't think Drew and, and Middleton are, are are that matchup. You know what I mean? Like I don't think. Well, I mean, if I was, I mean, I think Drew is more of a free uh, safety defender in that series where he just guards the hot hand on the perimeter, whether that be because he's not going to be checking Ben from half court, you know, they're just going to sag Giannis off Ben and let him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have him guard the hot hand, whether that be Shake Milton, Corkmaz, George Hill. Um, if Maxi gets in there, which I doubt, but you know, you know, Drew would swallow any of those guys up if he wants to. And that's, and, and I've heard it said by, you know, multiple NBA players that Drew Holiday is the best perimeter defender. So let's not act like Drew's not like, insanely important to the Bucks' defense. And Dante DiVincenzo is no joke on that side of the ball either. He's pretty good. So, and I mean, Jordan, you can attest, test more to DiVincenzo than I can, but he's an above-average defender on the wing, right? Yeah, I would I would agree. I think his he is kind of stuck in, in between how the Bucks operate have operated defensively like the last couple of years with, you know, the drop-back scheme and where he really excels is kind of disrupting in passing lanes and just timing perfect steals or deflections and all that stuff. He's just a gutsy hell of a player. <laughs> um, whereas like his size and just kind of, you know, he's not, he's strong, but you know, he's still a guard size player that he can be exploited on switches. If he, if he's a little too over aggressive, which is kind of his MO and everything <laughs> you, you love like what he does, when he times these steals correctly, but they're sometimes just like, ah, like that just, that wasn't the moment to go for a steal or, you know, I think there was actually a play during one of the, the first Sixers game where it was like, I don't know what you're trying to do. If you're going for a steal where it's like, it, it led to like an easy, like Tobias Harris basket, but, um, but yeah, he's, he's certainly good. It, it's just more kind of that off ball role where, you know, if, if you're sound defensively with, you know, the backside and just where Brooke usually just defends the paint. And obviously like Chris said, like Giannis is in that free safety type role. Dante is really good in that, in that spot where it, it, it could be really tested this uh, during the playoffs where if they're switching more like they have, you know, over the course of the season where 
that's where I think he can kind of get neutralized. But he certainly isn't a slouch in terms of just like his effort and just kind of his overall competitive play. When you said poor timing for steals, it reminded me of rookie year Matisse Thibel. That's 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 what it, may, it reminded me of. But obviously, no offense to DiVincenzo, but I, I will also. say I will say Tybal scares me from a perspective of if they if they throw him on Chris because Chris, oh, yes. like you said, just like from you know, you kind of want him to be more of an aggressive scorer. This has kind of happened with Drew as he's kind of acclimated to Milwaukee too. But I just think Tybal is just kind of this. He's a, such an aggressive defender, and he's so long. I mean, he's one. You know, he, he's such a great defender, and obviously, you live with the, the mistakes that he does. Same with Dante, but for Middleton, especially, he kind like we're not going to take so much out of yesterday's game. But the fact that when in the few minutes that they matched up against each other, Chris was not comfortable at all, just getting to his spots and just kind of where he likes to operate. Thibel really, really. Uh, disruptive where he just kind of generally likes to get shots and I think that's that's another thing in terms of you know previewing matchups where Milton's not going to see a lot of great matchup matchups whether it's Danny Green, Matisse Thibel, Tobias Harris I know he's not the greatest defender by any means but he's still you know if he's competing out there he'll give them you know the size and um, you know length to, to kind of just bother shots obviously mm-hmm. so I think I think from that perspective that I, I kind of was waiting just to like chime in there with Thibault and just like, ah, I don't know if that's, that's a matchup that the Bucks really want to see, but I, I think that's kind of just kind of go, adds to like the overarching thing of like the, you know, so the Sixers have like eight defenders that they could just throw on anybody depending on yeah. how, you know, lineups are that just really could bother the Bucks in terms of just where they want to play, how they want to play offensively. Well, I, I will say this, that I, and I've preached this on this podcast before, that Thibault is an all-NBA defender this season, in my opinion. He has to be. And I don't know if you agree with that, but that, that's just how I feel about it. I think he's certainly the only player who could average 20 minutes a game and have a real case. Like, he's, he's, I think he's that special. He's certainly been, like, we're, we're talking about the four-game losing streak. That Phoenix game, till the last two minutes, Devin Booker was, like, a no-show. And that was all because of Matisse. Like, Matisse shut him down. And Devin Booker is the guy who the Sixers have traditionally not shut down. So I, I do think that is certainly going to be a big part of any playoff matchup is how frequently is Matisse on the floor? How long can they survive the fact that he's a non-shooter? And like, who is he guarding? So I, I do think that's for sure. And let's go ahead and move on to our next subject here. And while we're talking about contenders in the East, let's talk about some other teams here. So Jordan, how do you think the Bucks match up against the Nets? I mean, this is the big question that everybody's talking about, or, or everybody's facing, at least in the East. Like, you know, again, health permitting more so with the Nets than any other team this year, um, save for maybe, probably the Lakers at this point. But if you're seeing, you know, Harden, Irving, Durant out there, Joe Harris, I mean, he's going to give any heady team problems with just how well he's been shooting um, this season. I think Drew obviously helps a lot in terms of he can switch between James Harden and Kyrie Irving if they're if one or the other is on the floor. When all three are on the floor, that's going to get a little tougher. Um, obviously, uh, he, we've seen. I think the 
only game that they played against the Nets, he, he also went up against Durant. And Durant, I mean, and when he has been healthy, he has been really good. And he's certainly gotten – I'm forgetting what he scored that night. But um, he, it just was so it, – it, it just – he plays such an easy game that you want to see him healthy and just kind of give – you know, you, you don't want to lose with kind of like a caveat or just like an asterisk or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, I think defensively, if the way that the Bucks have been more experimental and just playing more switching, played a little bit of zone though that hasn't been all that successful this year. Um, I think I think we'll see Drew just you know he's going to be their ultra versatile defender, and Giannis kind of follows suit where whoever Drew isn't guarding, he'll guard the second. You know. Uh, biggest matchup in the Middleton will fall in line with that. But yeah, that's a series where, like I said, specifically with Brooke, like, I mean, you're, you're going to be really tested uh, defensively in terms of just, you know, trying to check the Nets fire offensive firepower. If all three are healthy, if it's less than that, that's where it kind of gets more interesting in terms of how do you play against the Nets team that, you know, was built with all three in mind. Uh, as the season's gone along, I'm not sure, but yeah, Drew is definitely. That's where he's. He just signed a new contract extension. I think a lot of that's that's where he's going to make his money's worth <laughs> when if if the the Bucks go against the next the next this play, uh, postseason. Yeah, I I think Brooklyn's a pretty tough matchup for just about anyone if they're if they're healthy. I mean, that's one of the most impressive offensive trios we've ever seen, really. Um, I mean, Harden and Durant are both top five players in the NBA. Irving's not too far behind. So if they're all healthy and they're clicking at even like 75%, they're probably my pick to come out of the East. I think there's just too much firepower there. But, I mean, obviously the big concern with them aside from health is defense. Um, they, They have a pretty interesting group of defenders as you said Jordan they can switch a lot and they have some interesting guys like Bruce Brown Nick Claxton so I don't think they're a total you know negative on that side of the ball but with Milwaukee and and Philly specifically pressuring them inside with size is going to be probably Brooklyn's biggest weakness and I think Milwaukee and Philly can exploit that pretty successfully with the honest and Embiid so how how big of a problem do you think that's going to be for Brooklyn I think I that's the thing like I, I I you know a guy like Bruce Brown um I mean I don't know how much of a role he's played for the Nets since they got they've added guys like Blake Griffin or uh LaMarcus Aldridge when he was playing before he retired sadly but like they're gonna have to kind of need some uh, you know a big presence especially to to you know close off the the rim for Giannis um, where, you know, th- that's the thing, like how I think the, the Bucks, when the Bucks played the Nets, it was the first game after they made the big trade for Harden and Irv, I think Kyrie was sidelined. Durant was playing obviously, but like they, even from that point on in the season, it was still like, you know, two out of the, th- the big three that were still, uh, that were in action and just a lot of unknowns in, in terms of how the Bucks can, you know, match up against even just those two specifically because of how we've, you know, viewed Harden and Durant, you know, MVP uh, caliber players, even to this you know day, like it's such a hard, <laughs> it's just hard to like envision just how 
you could play against a, a, a Brooklyn team that you know has so many outcomes and how and who's going to be available and where they finish and all like what just what we'll ultimately see. But I think offensively, yeah, the defense, uh, the Nets are not going to be a you know the sound defensive team that we talked about with like Philly or Milwaukee or you know down the line even down down the line like to the Knicks um, in that part of the standings. So. I think they. I think the Bucks will t- test the Nets in ways that they might not envision right now. But you know, obviously they're they're kind of built with in a totally different way that we've talked about with the Sixers and Bucks. That just kind of it's just I don't know. I just find it hard to like wrap my head around just like how can these teams like exist in the same league in a in a way where it's just you know it's it the rich just got richer when you know they made the trade for Harden. You you make you guys make some great points. Um, in terms of how the Bucks can, I, you know, I I said this at the beginning of the podcast. I think they have the best overall, you know, positional wise to guard all three of the stars for the Nets because Giannis can is probably one of the few players that could actually give KD problems, you know, contesting jump shots. And then you have Chris Middleton, who's no slouch. He can he can give Harden some problems with his length. And then Drew Holiday, of course, is the best perimeter defender in the NBA. And having him go against the best show in the NBA and Kyrie Irving would be fantastic to see in the playoffs. Uh, But at the end of the day, I think offense still wins that matchup. Though I will say if they're not, if all three of those stars aren't healthy, when that matchup, if that matchup happens, then that's when it gets interesting. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, Brooklyn is not 100% healthy that the Bucks come out of that series on top, but it would have to come at the cost of the Nets' health. And I'm going to throw out one other name. It was, we were going to talk about the Sixers, but I feel like we talked about the Sixers enough about how the Bucks match up there. But I do want to throw out another team here. Maybe you guys can throw, if you guys want to throw out another team. But I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a playoff push by the Boston Celtics. They have been playing great as of late, and I, I think once they're healthy, they could be a problem in the playoffs. How do you think the Bucks match up against the Celtics, considering that you guys have lost to them in the playoffs before? I think it uh, it's kind of aligned in a, a similar way to two years ago when the Bucks beat them in the conference semifinals um, and beat them pretty handily by the end of that series too. That that was that was a year where it was Kyrie's last year in Boston, just kind of like all the stuff off the court just kind of seeped into their play, even though I think they finished something like, I'd have to go back. I, I, I'm forgetting the exact record, but it was still like, and by all means, it was still a successful season, but they were coming off of the year where they go out the conference finals. They take Cleveland to seven games in LeBron's last year there. Like, you know, all the goodwill of like Jason Tatum, you know, his rookie after his rookie season, Jalen Brown's on the come up, like all this stuff is kind of, building towards a way that, you know, that they, uh, or yeah, Gordon, Gordon Hayward's coming back from his, you know, nasty injury, uh, the year before, like everything was going out in a way where everybody's looking towards Boston as like the shoe in to go get out of the East. And, you know, as the season goes on, the Bucks come out of nowhere with, you know, in Bud's first year and just kind of had, had really good success during the, uh, the season against, Boston, if I remember correctly, and then that playoff series, they just kind of they got punched in the mouth in Game One, but then figured everything out Game Two to Game Five, 
And I think they they there's just something about like whether it's Boston, Miami, or I'm trying to think a team in the West that's kind of hit this. That's you know obviously I think it's in, in a year like this year where you know COVID is obviously the biggest uh, effect that you can't really account for and just how teams have played and Boston's been hit by COVID. Obviously the Bucks with Drew and you know d- that's just something you just it's hard to like ignore and how the season's gone on. But I think Boston like at, at a certain point you just kind of see like okay this is the kind of team that they're on and yeah the, right now they're at they're on a good run. But I also just wonder if, like, all the things that have just kind of nagged at their season, just it's just going to end on, you know, a disappointing first-round series. Where I think the Bucks were, you know, Tatum and Brown and, you know, Kemba obviously went healthy. He, that's, a three like that will give any team, much less the Bucks, problems. But I just, I don't see the fear factor that, like, I did a couple years ago where if everything went right or even when, you know, the Boston was going through all their problems that year, I think a similar set of circumstances have aligned this year where, you know, as great as Tatum has been and battling through COVID, especially too. And Jalen Brown has been spectacular all season long. Just something is just now just hasn't clicked, whether it's been, you know, defensively or just, you know, they're relying on a lot of young guys where teams like, Obviously, Brooklyn and Philly and uh, the Bucks, they have a lot of veterans that to not have to kind of, you know, rely on young guys. You just kind of see, like, the adverse effects of when you have a younger rotation and younger roster that I think that's just too big to ignore from my perspective in, in terms of a first-round matchup. As scary as, you know, the top of that Celtics roster is, I just think it just hasn't clicked for them this season. I, I don't see... Even in a weird year like this, I don't see kind of that miracle, you know, happening where they can kind of stage a, a you know, a run to the Easter Conference Finals or even the second round. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, even from Philadelphia's perspective, I, I mean, there's clearly an amount of like mental real estate that Boston holds that can't be overlooked. Um the Celtics have had a lot of success against Philly in the past, and I'm sure there's some confidence that they have in that matchup but there there just seems to be such a clear break between the top three teams and everyone else in the east this season like philly has beaten the celtics pretty handedly when they faced each other this year so while i wouldn't like beg to face them in the first round or anything i i mean i think tatum and brown are pretty spectacular players who have the ability to win some games in the playoffs obviously they still have guys like marcus smart and kimball walker who, who are pretty good themselves like, I wouldn't pick Boston over Philly at all. I wouldn't even consider it. Even with how, like, past playoff matchups between those two teams have gone, even after last season in the bubble, there, there just seems to be such a clear break between them at this point that I, I just don't know if Boston has the momentum and the continuity to, uh, to, to really pose a threat. I don't see them as a threat to the Sixers either. As you said, Chris, the Sixers have handled them pretty well this season. They don't have an answer for Joel. Um, they probably, in fairness, they don't have an answer for uh, Giannis, though. I do like uh, Ryan Williams a little bit better on Giannis versus Ryan Williams on Joel, but Ryan Williams is undersized at six foot eight for a center, so it's just not a great matchup for 
for anybody. That being said, I do like their team. I I do think they can get to the second round. Uh, right now, I think they would match up against the who would match. I think they're the sixth spot. So what would that be? The, oh well, never mind. Uh, that would be. Yeah, I think you guys would probably beat them in a first round series for sure. Then that's not even a question. Um, but if they can get into that fifth spot and face the Nets, which is totally possible, that I mean the Knicks. Then yeah, I think I think they could get to the second round, but uh, I don't see them going much further than that either. But switching gears here, if Milwaukee only had to face one of Brooklyn or Philly in the playoffs, Jordan, who would they choose? And yeah, so who would they choose if they could choose anybody? I think it, it it's hands down Philly. Um, as as much as they will be tested by playing a team like the Sixers and how great they have been, you know, as we've t- touched on a lot, like the Nets just present a, a, an entirely different set of problems that, you know, very few, if any teams can offer to anybody at this point. Like just the collective offensive firepower, shot making, all that stuff between, you know, Durant, Harden, Irving, like that's just... <laughs> Again, the rich got richer. <laughs> it's it's hard to really compete with that. Where, again, a team like the Sixers are very very hard to you know stop in their own right. But it's it's all it's just kind of in in a you know more traditional way than what we've seen with you know a, a super team like the the Nets that they've built in just you know a blink of an a blink of an eye. Yeah, I would have to agree. Like even from Milwaukee's perspective, I would I would pick the Sixers before I pick the Bucks too. Or the Nets, pardon me. Yeah, that's that's a, yeah. I'm gonna agree there too. But uh, switching gears, Jordan, if you were if you were the Sixers, who would you rather face, the Bucks or the the Nets? If you only had to face one, probably the Bucks. <laughs> I think again. I think that's. I think if you're a Sixers fan, you're gonna look at the last couple of years and be like, okay, the the Bucks didn't improve in uh, the last couple of postings that they're, you know, a team to really fear. And, you know, um, and that's, again, that's kind of, that's certainly earned at this point, even with the changes that they made. And, you know, Bud is always going to be kind of the swing factor here. And, you know, whether he takes all the, the changes and tactical changes and experimentation that we've seen throughout the year, like, is he going to take that to heart to, you know, if you're down, you know, present any type of game situation that's going to really test you and really going to, going to like test, you know, whether this is the end of the season or, you know, just all that stuff. Like, I think that's the, that's going to be the big question that faces them along with, you know, as Drew Holiday has obviously been really, you know, a welcome addition to them, but is he going to be that difference maker? Is Chris Milton going to step up? Is, are they, do they have the, the supporting cast to, to really, uh, supplement Giannis and even just heighten Giannis even further uh, when it matters most. And obviously Giannis has his own demons to kind of battle back from after, you know, being named MVP the last two seasons and then kind of gain this wrap of, oh, he doesn't really, you know, excel in the same way during the playoffs. And that's been earned too because just, you know, the way the last couple of seasons have gone. So, yeah, I think from a Philly perspective, you easily want to see a Bucks team over a Nets team just because of you kind of know what you're going to get from the the Bucks more rather than 
uh, you know, see a team like the Nets, even with, you know, all the health questions in mind. Yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I mean, again, health is going to be such a big issue for every team, but especially Brooklyn. Like, if, if Harden is missing time in the playoffs, then the conversation changes completely. But assuming they're healthy, I mean, we kind of talked about how the Sixers and Bucks were kind of built to face each other. That they aren't built to face Brooklyn. I don't think any team is really built in such a way at this point. I mean, they, you know, Ben Simmons can give someone like Harden problems. He's done it in the past. You have Matisse on Kyrie, maybe. Like, there, there are things Philly can do size wise to give the Nets issues, but I, I, I too think you got to pick Milwaukee in that situation. But, uh, Lucas, did you want to say anything before we kind of wrap up here and give our predictions? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I was just going to agree with you guys. Yeah, the the Bucks would be a much preferred matchup for the Sixers for sure. Neither are going to be a cakewalk, but at least you know you can you don't have to worry about the offensive firepower that the Nets do if healthy. If from the Nets, yeah. if you played against the Bucks, that's that's where it's at. The Bucks aren't as nearly as lethal scoring team as as the Nets. And that's where that's where it's at. Yeah, I agree. So we're we're gonna kind of wrap up here, Jordan, with our predictions. Hypothetically, Sixers and Bucks meet in the playoffs. They're all healthy. Um, let, let's say, for the sake of this podcast, that the Sixers hold on to home court advantage, um, which we all seem to think they will. Who do you think wins that series? I, I don't want to be a homer or anything like that, but I think I would give the Bucks a slight advantage here. Um, I, I think it would, you know, whether it's second round or East Conference Finals or whatever, you know, it adds up shaky out. I think it's certainly a seven-game series um, across the board. I just think for all the problems that, you know, the Sixers give the Bucks offensively and just how you know, the the wealth of options that they have in terms of guarding Giannis and, you know, on down. I think the Sixers are, are more built in a way to test them defensively, but it's not I, – I, I hate to keep coming back to, like, how we've seen the Bucks fall because, you know, they can usually not apply here this season just because they're, you know, different set of circumstances, different roster, different way that they approach the season in general. But I think they're just short on – having the kind of, you know, uh, complimentary shot creators as good as guys like Shake Milton have been and, um, you know, just the, the, you know, supporting cast guys that you kind of, you don't know what to expect you, that can really swing a series. You know, I, I know a bunch of Bucks fans will probably just think like, uh, you know, have nightmares of Fred Van Vliet or Tyler Hero or Jay Crowder shooting the lights out in the, <laughs> in the playoffs last year. Like, those guys have re- really swung that series in a way that just the Bucks could never obviously then come back from. That I'm not sure over a seven game series that Philly has that as of now. I that, that could easily be famous last words <laughs> for my end, but I just think there's they're just one guy short of really testing the Bucks in terms of tearing them down in a, in ways that we've historically seen them be torn down. So, so first off, Jordan, it's okay to be a homer. We get it. This is fan sided. We're we're fans covering the team. It's okay. So the, <laughs> don't 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 worry about that, man. You're good. 
but if you're a homer, then I'm going to be a homer in this case. I think the Sixers won this. I think it's going to be decided in either six or seven games if it happens. I th- I like the fact that the Sixers have a true closer in Joel Embiid, me and Chris and Uriah and our one of our contributors, uh, Jonathan Guy, I've talked about this last week, that Joel is a legit closer. You can give him the ball at the end of the games. He can get his shot from almost anywhere, and we've seen it this season. He's a top 10 closer, in my opinion, top five, top 15, top 10 closer in the league right now. He can get it off his, the dribble. He can hit a three. He can get it in the post from the foul line, wherever he can close games for you. Giannis can't do that for the Bucks. Middleton can't do that for the Bucks. We don't know if Drew Holiday can. I don't know if Drew Holiday can. But if he can't, the Bucks don't have a closer, and the Sixers do. And in the playoffs, that is beyond important. So that's where I think this this swings it for the Sixers. I think Joel can be that closer. And Brooke Lopez is not going to guard Joel on the perimeter. He can't. He can do it in the post, fine, but on the perimeter, not a chance. Brooke Lopez has led, led feet outside the paint. So I think that's where Joel's going to get his money. So I've kind of wrestled with this all day. I, I do think you mentioned Bud earlier, uh, Jordan. Obviously, he's going to be a pretty big X factor. He's been stubborn to a fault in recent postseason escapades. He, he, I mean, this season, he's clearly put a, an emphasis on kind of changing things up. The roster is different. They've made moves to try new things. But like you mentioned, if he takes that to heart in the playoffs, you're not as yet to be seen. Uh, a lot of similar criticisms can be made of Doc, especially after how the Clippers season ended last year. Um, I mean, Doc has been pretty stubborn himself this season. You know, Mike Scott is still getting minutes. Um, so how the coaching battle would go, I think, is pretty interesting. I mean, like if Milwaukee fizzles out again, I mean, I'll, this is kind of a random question, Jordan, but like it could be Bud's last year no like the bucks kind of you know flame out i mean i mean bud's kind of getting to the end of the line there no yeah i think that's the big question looming over this where you know i think after this season he only has one year left on his contract and it's you know it's it's a really tough thing to wrestle in its own right because he is a very successful basketball coach and you know the, the years leading up to his arrival the Bucks did not have a lot of that <laughs> they didn't have a lot of successful teams you know before Giannis was drafted it was just kind of what is this future what is what are they building towards in a way that can you know be a successful basketball team and obviously yeah they you know, not to <laughs> just span this, you know, a seven year or eight year <laughs> timeline in just a, a couple of minutes, but just like hitting a guy like Giannis and just kind of, you know, falling into Chris Middleton and, a, you know, he was an afterthought when they traded for him and, and for Brandon Jennings or Brandon Jennings was traded to the Detroit Pistons for it. But like they, they kind of stumbled into this era. So in a way that like they obviously didn't plan for and they, no one could even plan for what Giannis has been. Where when it came time to make the coaching change from Jason Kidd to, you know, uh, Bud, that everything has been built in a way where it's like, okay, this is finally what we're trying to build towards and trying to be a championship contender and all that stuff. And obviously they've fallen short the last couple of years where they have these great regular seasons, one of the, you know, some of the greatest in 
in certainly in franchise history and even rivaling in NBA history at at times. But like, you, it's just so hard to ignore how it's fallen apart. Where now it's like this this it, like a question that we'll still have the answer to, but just trying to like get, you know game plan for it or you know uh, expect any outcome in terms of how the the Bucks will finish the season. I think. If they make it to the conference finals, I think that you know the the hot seat under Bud. I think that will certainly grow colder. But anything short of that, I think that's where the door the door is open. Where yeah, I think it wouldn't be. It certainly wouldn't be surprising to see them move on if they if they really you know if if, if an encore to last year, for example, happens again this year. I it's really hard to envision him having a future if they lose in five games in the second round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I think Budenholzer-Rivers is a very fascinating coaching duo. Um, both clearly have their their issues with adjusting and making changes on the fly. That's not their strength. So, and again, these two teams are very similar in how they're built and how they would play each other. So it'd, it'd be really a clash of, of titans uh, in in a way where, where, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm I'm really struggling to make a prediction here. I feel like I'm kind of a pessimist at heart with this team. You know, the Sixers have really let us down pretty consistently in the playoffs the past few go-arounds. So this season is... Be positive, Chris. Don't, 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 don't give in to the depression. <laughs> this is obviously don't been give a very, into positive, it, Chris. very positive regular season for the Sixers. They have arguably the MVP in Gerald Embiid. Uh, ben is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. A lot of things have gone right. Um, but I do really like this Bucks team, so I don't know. It's tough. Uh, I mean, I think Game Seven being in Philly would be pretty big too. Um, hypothetically, uh, Sixers home court advantage is infamous at this point for mm-hmm. a reason. Yes. But, uh, mm. I don't know. Well, Uriah is going to. The Bucks don't have a closer, Chris. The Sixers do. Uriah is going to be pissed off that we've run this long, but I'll, I'll say Bucks in. Seven. Boo! All right. Boo! I'm sorry, guys, but uh, that, Shame that's on how you. we're going to end the pod on on a bit of a low note from from Philly's perspective. But Jordan, no, no, for not from Philly's perspective, your perspective, Chris. All right, yeah, you're, you're going to get a lot of pain for this, man. <laughs> the Bucks in seven. That's how I'll go out. But uh, mm. yeah, Jordan, thanks for coming on the pod today. We really appreciate all your insight. And uh, if you want to tell the listeners where they can follow you, obviously everyone should go read BehindTheBuckPass.com. It's a great site. Uh, but where, where can our listeners follow you specifically, Jordan? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you can find me at, at Jordan Tresky on Twitter. Um, yeah, just my and the team's writing. Me and Dalton Sell are holding it down over there and writing about the Bucks and just, you know, see how the season will go. <laughs> But yeah, just you could follow me there, and we do. I do the Winner Six podcast, which is you know obviously a Bucks centric podcast, and yeah, that's that's where you can find me. All right, and to all our listeners, thanks as always for tuning in. Wherever you're listening, Spotify, iTunes, Omni, leave us a five star review if you feel so inclined. It would really help us out. Leave a comment. Let us know your thoughts, how we can improve what we've done well. It would we would take it to heart for sure. We really appreciate it. And we have some exciting topics, some exciting guests in the near future. You know, the playoffs are right right around the corner. So a lot of fun content coming up. And we will talk to you all later in the week.
Thanks, everyone. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.